So time hop yesterday reminded me that I posted this seven years ago yesterday, which if you can't read it says is a uncertain, that's how crazy I was being, is uncertain of whether I will survive the next month until the semester ends. That was seven years ago today. Um, I did survive for those who were wondering. Uh, at the time I was in my third semester of seminary. I was working around 30 hours a week at the Starbucks just down the road here. Um, many days a week I was waking up at 4.30 a.m. and driving half an hour across the city, which, by the way, if you've ever tried to drive across D.C. at 5 o'clock in the morning when there's absolutely no traffic, it still takes half an hour to go eight miles. I don't know why. Uh, so, but I digress. <laughs> Uh, so I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning so that I could be at work at 5 to open the store at 5.30. And then I was also a full-time student. So I was taking five classes. Um, and often that day that started at 4.30 a.m. would end when I arrived back home at 10 p.m. I was also doing that semester. I started that semester what we call PM&M. So if you remember Kayla from last year or the last two years, um, I was doing that that semester. And so I was, um, well, that was 10 hours a week. And then I graciously accepted the invitation because they were going to pay me a little bit to be their youth pastor as well. So that added another 10 hours a week. So 20 hours a week at my internship church up in Silver Spring. My weekdays and or weekends and downtime were almost entirely filled with homework and writing and reading. Uh, and that semester, for the first time in all of my schooling, I had to go to several professors and ask for extensions so that I had time to finish all my work. Because also one of the classes I was taking, and this may not mean anything to you, but if you know anything about seminary education, one of the most difficult classes you take in all of seminary is called systematic theology. And I was also taking that that semester. And so all of these things came together and I found myself frankly exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so when I posted, I don't know if I can make it through, I wasn't really using hyperbole because there was a big part of me that really was feeling uncertain do I have the ability, do I have the strength to even get out of the bed tomorrow morning, much less get through and do all of the work that I have to do? I was struggling, and I was taking it basically one day and even one hour at a time. And I wasn't even really reaching out for God as much as I was holding on to God for dear life for fear that if I didn't, I really wouldn't make it. It was one of the more challenging times of my life and the light of God seemed very dim. Hope was hard to come by most days. And what little hope I had that I might make it was what little hope I had was that I would make it from one day to the next, and that was about it. I could hope that tomorrow will come. I can hope on that. We all get into these hard times. The challenging times when we are uh, in the moments when we feel overwhelmed, 
And even if it passes, those moments, and even as time passes, sometimes those moments may not feel so bad. I can tell you, if I look back to my college career, um, this time of year, I don't remember being particularly stressed. Um, but then that's because hindsight is 2020. And you know, looking back now, um, 12 years, 15, wait, 15 years? It's 2017. I graduated in 2005. It's 12 years since I graduated, since I was a senior. Uh, looking back 12 years at college, that was actually a really, really long time ago now. And there's a lot of things that have happened since then. And frankly, I probably just don't remember being stressed. I'm certain I was. I had papers to write and exams to take and all of the things that y'all are doing right now. And looking back, I can say now that one more hour of studying or one more hour of writing probably wouldn't have made that big of a difference. But in that moment, in that time, I am certain that I probably felt like if I can just have one more hour before this exam, I know I will raise my grade by a whole letter grade. I know I will have one more answer if I can just have one more hour. In those moments when the pressure's on, it feels like the end of the world, maybe. It feels like the struggle, like there is, ugh, messing up my sentences here. It feels like everything is on, the pressure is on, and, um, and we begin to feel like it's a struggle to continue on. We don't know how we'll make it to another day. Well, when the pressure's on, when the world is beginning to spin out of control, as some of you have shared with me recently, as um, I love when folks sit in my office and share because it's really important to be open and honest about how you're feeling. Mental health is very important. And sometimes just sharing with somebody uh, can help, out, uh, help a lot. When you come in my office and share, all we can do is hope. Because, you know, frankly, there's not a lot I can do about your schoolwork. Uh, I can sit there and listen and care, and um, maybe you'll have a question or, uh, or something that I know an answer to, but probably there's very little that I can actually do. But I can help you hope. Because there's always hope. Always and everywhere, in everything. No matter how bad it gets, even when I was having that terrible, terrible time seven years ago, there was a little bit of hope. Again, only about enough to hope for tomorrow. But there was hope. There's always, always hope. Even when it's very faint. Even if it's only in God. For the church members of the church in Thessalonica, uh, they had questions about this gospel hope for which we use as the foundation of what we preach this thing we call the good news. And this was, by the way, a new church plant and mostly Gentile converts to the faith. Um, they were situated in the northwest corner. If you don't know where Thessalonica is, it actually is still a place today, um, though it goes by a slightly different name, but it's just a variation. Um, Thessalonica is still a place. It's in the northwest corner of the Aegean Sea. It's uh, in um, modern-day Greece. 
Now, for the folks there, there was this concern about what happens to us, what happens to our loved ones after. Because you're telling me about this gospel hope, and you're telling me about eternal life, and life in Christ, and salvation, and all of these things, but what about when people die? Because the predominant culture of the time didn't have so much of a concept of heaven and hell as we do. Uh, the dominant culture believed that uh, this life was pretty much all there was. Heaven and hell was reserved for the gods, not for eternity of all humanity. In those days, hope pretty much carried you as far as the grave. And then it was over. And so the people of Thessalonica are saying, but you're telling me something different now, something I've never really understood. What do you mean there's hope? What do you mean there's a hope beyond the grave? And so the author, as they're writing this, is saying, uh, they're writing to remind the church that that hope is what sets us apart. Our gospel hope, our hope in eternal life and salvation, this is what sets us apart from everyone else. We have a hope. And so we do not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. There is more than this world because Christ is risen. There is more to hope for because Christ is alive in us and with us. We see and experience the world in a different way than others do because we have a hope that surpasses life and death. I can hope for tomorrow because I am guaranteed that even if I am not alive, there is a tomorrow. There is more to come. There is a hope that goes beyond the grave because the God who loved, so loved the world has changed the game and given us the ability where others, the ability to hope where others might see none. And so we see things just a little bit different as Christians, as people of faith. We have hope. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that only in darkness can one see the stars. Think about that for a moment. When you walk outside in the middle of daylight, you don't see stars, right? It's only in the darkness. In fact, even if we walk out here and we look up at the sky, we're not really going to see the stars in the same way as if you go out a couple 20, 30, 40 miles outside of the city and be where there's no ambient light and you look up and see all the stars. We only see this, only in darkness can we see the stars. There are things that we really can't know deeply from the mountaintop places, at least, or at least not know them in the same way. Take the moon, for example. There are often times in late afternoon, if you look up, you can see a moon. But then contrast that with the dark of night when a full moon is shining. There's no comparison, right? The moon is clearly brighter at nighttime, and it's in the darkness that we see its fullness. Hope is a lot like that. 
We can be filled with hope in optimism in the good times, but hope reaches new depths when we see and understand it in the midst of the difficult times, when we really need hope. I'm a pretty optimistic person, and I can tell you I'm pretty hopeful most of the time that, uh, you know, I believe in, in the coming reign of God, that we are, we are doing things actively now, that I hope and pray we are getting better as, uh, as uh, humanity. I hope and pray we are making a difference in the world. I am hoping, but I can tell you, the depths of my understanding of hope don't come from this optimistic place, but from the places where I need hope. It's in the depths that we find a truer understanding of exactly what it means to hope in the good news and just how good that good news is. I read a story this week that tells uh, that during the Thirty Years' War in the 17th century, uh, German pastor Paul Gerhardt and his family were forced to flee from their home. One night, as they stayed in a small village inn, homeless and afraid, his wife broke down and cried openly in despair. To comfort her, Gerhardt reminded her of Scripture's promises about God's provision and keeping. And then, going out to the garden alone, he broke down and wept. He felt he had come to his darkest hour. Soon afterward, Gerhardt felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence. Taking his pen, he wrote a hymn that has brought comfort to many. Give to the winds thy fears, hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head through waves and clouds and storms. He gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. It's often in the darkest times that hope becomes the most important for us. In these times of our suffering and troubles, they show us that God's hope is the source of our strength. And we see this, when we see this truth, like Pastor Gerhardt we receive a new hope. When you're struggling like I was seven years ago, you're reminded of the gospel truth. You can receive a new hope. Looking back at it was the hope for more than one day. Looking back, it was the hope for, more, for one more day, one more hour of strength that carried me. Hope that no matter what happened, the days would in fact go by, even if ever so slowly. And that the semester would in fact end and the break would come. Hope that God was carrying me somewhere through, though in these moments I had no idea where exactly that might be. Certainly didn't know I was going to end up right here. Really ironic since I did all this next door. I have no idea. Uh, hope. It's like a faint star in the night sky. Looking out and being that thing that I anchor myself in. Connecting me to God. Then if you turn and look at your, the front of your bulletin, hope becomes the light of a lighthouse. 
Think of it back in the day before there was GPS and electronic navigation. A ship coming to shore in the darkness of night with the rocks, with the waves rocking the ship. Imagine a storm is blowing and there are waves crashing all around and in the midst of the chaos from the shore there is a beacon light calling to us reminding us that we are not alone that there is someone who knows we are out here and it is showing us the path to shore that is hope the light of God is the hope calling us to the shore reminding us we are not alone, that in all of this, we can hope in God who is always with us, even when things are really sucky. Because where others see death and the end, we see new life and hope in Christ. A bit of a messy hope, a frantic hope, a hope mixed with sorrow, fear, anger, frustration, and any of the other emotions that we might be feeling in those low moments. Because hope does not erase what we're feeling, but it helps to guide us back to the safety of solid ground on the shore. And it is the hope of God that shines day and night and never, ever, ever leaves us. Amen.